You can see my theme. I, last week I had a similar theme, a little different, but uh, scandal uh, at early dawn. Uh, you say, why are you using this word scandal? Well, there are many words we could use to describe the enormity of what Jesus Christ did for us when he went to the cross, when he rose again. And there are words like redemption. It's a beautiful word to be, to be bought free, to be redeemed justification, to be declared righteous. What a beautiful word that is. Reconciliation, restored to favor with God, which is uh, the word that's used to describe what, what happened to the world uh, through Jesus' death on the cross. But sometimes these words get cloaked in religion. They get cloaked in a churchianity. So I chose another word, the word scandal, because it's also there in, in Scripture. This is how some people viewed this uh, beautiful message of the gospel. They thought it was a scandal. As it says in, uh, and I quoted this last week, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 23, uh, to the Greek, foolishness, to the Jews, a stumbling block. The word foolishness there is a moros, where we get moron, idiotic, uh, and, and when it says Greek there, let me in these days of political correctness explain that Paul wasn't talking about all Greek people, that there was something wrong with them. When it says the Greek, it means the, the philosophers like Aristotle and Socrates and Plato and others uh, who, and, and many, many others. The Greek were known for philosophy. So they said this idea of the gospel, that you somehow overturn the cause and effect, that people can uh, be, be, be bound up in sin, and somehow they don't have to pay for eternity for those sins, uh, but that somebody else paid, that, that's foolishness. They said, oh, we, we just away with that. And then some said the Jews, again, is not all the Jewish people, of course not, because most of the, well, all of the disciples, all of the apostles, uh, they were Jewish people. Uh, but, but it means the religious leaders. They said, this is a stumbling block. And that word actually is the word scandalon. Scandalon, uh, which uh, where we get the word scandal, and, and they said it's just you should have to pay for your own sin. You should have to, uh, you know, own up to what you did and pay for it. And the fact that that the message that Jesus Christ paid for our sin, it seems like it was a scandal to them. Well, we're going to take it a step further today. I want to read from Luke 24, verse one. It says, "On the first day of the week, at early dawn, at the crack of dawn." They came to the tomb and they found the stone rolled away. So now uh, I, I'm suggesting even in, in the resurrection, there are things that to the religious people, it seems scandalous. It seems outrageous. You know the whole gospel story, when you really think about it, when did it start? It started before time began. It says that Jesus Christ was slain from before the foundation of the world. And then, of course, God kept showing his mercy down through the centuries and the millennia. God never stopped forgiving sin. It was not something that started with Jesus, and Jesus forgave sins even before he went to the cross. And, 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 and so when we talk about the cross and the resurrection, we include the whole thing, how Jesus went to hell and proclaimed victory, took the keys of death and hell, and how he's coming back one day to restore his kingdom. And then, of course, this truth is still working in us through the Holy Spirit. And, and so it, it happened there early in the morning. I, I, you know, can you imagine if you had been there on the resurrection morning, what would it have looked like? 
Imagine if you had a sensor-activated camera located right by the, where Jesus was buried and the stone was there in front of the cave that was his grave. What, what, what do you think it would have looked like? Do you think it would have looked like Jesus maybe coming out of the tomb? You see one hand first and then comes the other hand and, and out sticks the head. I don't think so. This was the, the light of the world. It rose again. I think it would have been just a, a beam of light uh, that would have come and just cut through that rock and then the resurrection body of Jesus Christ as he was there risen from the dead. You know what it says in, in Romans 1? It says, Jesus Christ our Lord who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. So Jesus was born, born, born of Mary and, 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 and born of the, of the Holy Spirit, but it was of the seed of David. But when he rose again, he, he was declared to be the Son of God with power. What, 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 what could be scandalous about this? Well, let me give you some thoughts. Jesus rose again as the eternal Christ or the eternal Jesus Christ to live in believers. This is what religion has a hard time to grasp. Oh, we could say that back there uh, a long time ago, 2,000 years ago, something amazing happened and, and Jesus rose again and conquered death. And, and, and okay, we accept that. It's not uh, the normal occurrence. But uh, see, the gospel is so much more than that. It's not just a one-time occurrence. He, he rose again to live in us, to live in believers. And, and so it makes a distinction in this verse. He, he was born of the seed of David. But then he was declared to be the son of God with power. And so when you see Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you mostly see Jesus, the son of man. He's even called the son of man. Once in a while, one time Simon Peter says, oh, you are the son of the living God, Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, I, but, but, but don't tell anybody. Keep it a secret. It was like a, you know, sometimes you could see that. But basically it was Jesus, the son of man. But when he rose again, this thing that had been a mystery, it was revealed Christ in us. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we don't know him this any way anymore. And so, so the disciples, they had known Jesus and, you know, they could talk about his hair color and his eye color and his complexion and his height and how he looked. They knew all the physical attributes, but here Paul says, that's not how we talk about Jesus anymore. Now he is the living Christ. And, and you'll see this in the resurrection story. It, it says in, in John 21, 4, that Jesus stood on the shore Yet his disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. They saw Jesus standing there. He was uh, having a grill. And then he said, do you have any fish? And they said, no. And they said, well, uh, cast out your nets again. And they went out there and they got all this fish. And Simon Peter got so excited, he says, it's the Lord. He, he jumped into the water. You know, isn't it strange that they who had walked with Jesus didn't recognize him? didn't recognize it. So there was something different about Jesus. It wasn't that they knew him by physical attributes. They knew it was the Lord when they saw the wonder. Then it says in uh, something similar in uh, verse, chapter, verse 12 that Jesus said, come and eat breakfast. 
yet none of his disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. So this, they, they didn't ask him, who are you? They were, who, who is this? But this is, they, they knew it's the Lord. So Jesus was now manifesting to them in a different way. I'm talking about the eternal Christ, Jesus Christ who manifests himself to us. Then it, it talks, talks about Mary Magdalene, John 20, verse 14. She saw Jesus standing there and didn't know it was Jesus. There was a gardener, maybe raking the leaves, digging in the garden, weeding. And she looked and she said, do, do you know where they put my master? Where is he? So it's strange. Mary Magdalene would have known what Jesus looked up at. At that moment, she didn't recognize him physically. And then Jesus said, Mary. And there was something in the way he said that she realized it's the Lord. He revealed, see, this is what it says in John 14. The world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. And I will manifest myself. That's what happens today. By the Holy Spirit still, Jesus Christ manifests himself to people. See, see that, that Jesus we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of course, he's, he's still, he's alive. He rose again physically. That Jesus, you talk to him on the boat and you have a meal with him and you saw him nailed to the cross. But now Jesus Christ risen forever, declared to be the son of God. And yes, he is seated as the son of man, the man Christ Jesus at the, in heaven at the right hand of the father, but he still manifests himself to us. That, that can happen to you today. See, we must never reduce Christianity to just uh, four spiritual laws or a catechism or say this prayer after me and some kind of a formula. No, Christianity at its core is that this risen Jesus Christ declared to be the Son of God with power manifests himself to people. You know, I love apologetics. Apologetics is the study where you try to prove by reason and philosophy and by logic and by science the veracity of the Scripture. There's a part for that. But that alone can't do the job. That wasn't the, the, the way. I know it's been popular in the second century after Christ. For example, uh, uh, Justin Martyr, a, a famous church father, he engaged in this, and then that's good. Many are engaged in apologetics, trying to show evidences that our Christian faith is real and good, and I, I enjoy that myself. I, I have done a few debates in universities, and, and some apologetics knowledge came in handily, but I'm saying there's a limitation to that. What Jesus said is that you won't see me physically, but I will manifest myself to you. And, 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 and so this is, see, see, religion like to have milestones and landmarks and say it happened back then and we have a commemoration. We have Christmas and Easter and Christ Ascension Day and Pentecost Day and we, we commemorate certain like Christian holidays, but, but it's something that happened way back then. But, but, but this Christ now is alive. It says, test yourself, 2 Corinthians 13. Test yourself if you're in the faith. So here's, a, how, you, how, how do you know if you're in the faith? How do you know if you're in the faith? He says, examine yourself. Don't you recognize yourself that Jesus is in you? Alice, indeed, you failed the test. So that's the test. The test is not, you know, some history geography test. Do you know where Jesus was born? Multiple choice, Bethlehem, Nazareth, Jerusalem, or Jericho. 
and you cross Bethlehem and, 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 and what happened. It, it, it's not just mere knowledge like that. He says the test is not, do you know the Roman road? Do you know Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23? No, the, the test is this. Don't you have the witness? It's a rhetorical question. Don't you know yourself, Paul says? Don't you know? Don't you have the witness? See, even if you, you know, maybe something went wrong in your life. Maybe you, you took a wrong step and you feel like, You've failed God, you've failed yourself, you've failed people. But you know, if you'd pause there and just say, Jesus, there's a witness inside of you that you belong to God. Our spirit bears witness. And so, 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 so even in your darkest moments, you will say, yeah, I, I, I'm a Jesus follower. I have Christ in me. Even though I failed, he hasn't failed. Now, let me give you more. Jesus rose as a prototype for all believers. Now, that word prototype is usually used about machinery. A car or maybe your telephone, you know, when, when, they, when they Samsung or Apple or one of these telephone manufacturers, they, they make a new model, then, then they make one prototype and, and, and then they, they test that and check it out and see if it works and, and check for any malfunctions. And then once they are satisfied, then they release this new telephone or a new car or whatever it is, electric vehicle these days maybe. And then uh, others follow, other, other vehicles, other pieces of equipment, and follow that template. And, he, and the word Jesus is a prototype is, is for all believers. Well, that's not in, in Scripture, the word prototype. We have the word firstborn, which is not just being born in a certain chronological order, but he's the first of many. It, it, it says in, in Romans 8, 29, that he might be the firstborn among many. Colossians 1.18, he is the firstborn from the dead. And so Jesus Christ, he took everything that hell could throw at him. He was tempted in all things. And he ultimately went into the boxing ring with Satan and with evil, and he won an everlasting victory. He is the forerunner. He is the firstborn. And forgive me if I use the word prototype. He, he is the template. And then by God's spirit, we follow in his footsteps because he lives, we will live also. See, this is the whole concept. That's what makes it so scandalous what happened early at dawn when Jesus rose from the dead because it's not just that, that it happened once. No, it sets the standard. It says, or if, if you don't believe me, listen to this, Romans 6 Verse 8, if we died with Christ, we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Notice so far it's all talking about Jesus, but, but, but hold on. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, that's the word there, likewise you. In other words, we're not just talking about something 2,000 years ago that we commemorate and we celebrate the incarnation and the justification and the redemption. No, no, we're talking about likewise you today. And reckon yourself dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. Don't, don't walk around in sin consciousness. 
So many Christians sadly walk around so sin conscious. Here Paul says, don't do that. Reckon yourself dead to sin. Reckon that when Christ died, you died with him. And then reckon yourself alive with him. You have resurrection life. See, religion can't handle that. They can maybe handle that, yeah, there was somebody there who died and rose again a long time ago. But you're saying you have resurrection life in you? Well, how do you know? Do you deserve that? Are you worthy of that? No. I have received by his grace, resurrection life. See, Jesus rose to model the natural supernatural life. I know it's contradictory. I put natural slash supernatural life. You say, how does that work? Well, I think Jesus really during the 40 days that after he, he, he rose again before he went to heaven, Jesus kind of is a, is a model for all believers. And, you know, I go back to that story I mentioned about Mary seeing Jesus in the garden. But Jesus came across as a gardener. Jesus wasn't there with a priestly robe and the high priest breastplate on and ministerial collar and a big kind of a ministerial hat on his head. He, he was a gardener. Could have been a bricklayer. Could have been somebody at the shopping center. Could have been, could have been anyone. He was there. He just manifested himself through a gardener. Oh, I, I love that. And, and then, you know, uh, on the road to Emmaus, there's a story of this uh, disciples. They were so worried. They were so discouraged. Maybe you feel like that. They were saying, you know, we, we thought Jesus would be the new king and now they killed him and, and they're walking on the road and they feel discouraged. And then this uh, unknown brother, you could say, appears with them and he's talking with them and he's an enthusiastic brother encouraging them and say, well, you know, don't be so worried about that Jesus died because this was all spoken in the scriptures. And then they sit down and break bread and suddenly they say, whoo, it's Jesus. So so unpresumptuous, so laid back. It, you, you see, Jesus manifested himself through that just in, in a way ordinary brother that walked along with those who were so concerned. Same, same there at the barbecue. Jesus was there. Can you see him? It was like he was flipping burgers or maybe fish burgers or hamburgers. I don't know what kind of burgers. There was more, more fish in those days. And he's there. See, see sometimes... We, we, we think that the supernatural, oh, it's supposed to be like, ooh, ooh, you know, don't come close to me. I'm, I'm so anointed. I, I'm a, I have a healing ministry. Some preachers talk like that, but not Jesus. There's such a natural flow and ease to Jesus. He's there just working the barbecue. And at the same time, he says, go catch some fish. He said, we haven't caught any. Well, throw out your nets again. And suddenly the nets are full. It's a wonder. You, you know, th th this, is a, this is a picture for us. You see, this is, this is how, how we are. Uh, Jesus said, you know, the, the works that I do, John 14, 12, the works that I do, uh, shall you do, and greater works, because I go to the Father. 
And so I want to alert you today. This, this sounds scandalous to some that you may not be a minister. You may not be a clergy person. You may not be, have your license. You may not have your doctorate of theology on the wall. If you do, I have one or a couple, I think. Uh, you can have them displayed, but I sure don't depend much on them. Uh, but you can just be an ordinary person who don't know very much. But Christ has come to manifest himself to you. Oh, that's what makes it so special. See, every religion elevates the clergy, the man of God, way up there. Ooh, the man of God. But Jesus says, I'm, I'm the prototype. I'm the firstborn. I come to live through every one of you and manifest myself. This is beautiful. Let, let's share the life of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's everybody, let's have millions of believers share the life of Christ, you know. That, that's what we got, the whole story of, of Christ's death and resurrection. Sometimes we, we, we stop at the cross and we sing about the cross and we say we need to preach more about the cross, and I suppose we do, but I tell you, we sure need, need to talk more about the life. We have victory Evil has been defeated. I got some more verses for you. Jesus rose to be the foundation for our faith and for new life. I mean, it starts with a very basic Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, that's where our faith starts. That's why we say that the kind of faith that you and I have today as believers in Jesus is even different from the faith that they had before Jesus came. We know he is risen. And it says here that you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That is the very tipping point where, where salvation is activated in you. The new life is activated. First Peter 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So the very... The very foundation, we call about being born again. You've heard that phrase, I'm being born again. You must be born again. Well, it says here, begotten again, same term, that, that the way we are begotten again is through the resurrection. It's very important to recognize that. You know, Paul said, he said, if Christ died for us, if Christ died, if his blood was shed, but if he didn't rise again, we are still in our sin. We, we are still, our faith is empty. Everything we do is in vain. It's just a religious gymnastics that we're doing a bunch of religious activities. And so, you know, I don't minimize the cross of Jesus Christ. It's wonderful. But Paul says, you know, if, if that's all it was to it, if all that happened that his blood was shed and that he bore stripes in his body, we, we are miserable, he said. Our faith is empty. But he says what, what makes the difference is that he is risen. Not just that historically he rose, and that is a historical reality in time and space. He rose again. But now he manifests in people. The living Jesus shows himself today. And for example, in Acts 3.15, give you another verse. The prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, 
See, they keep mentioning this again and again. They always have that little thing between the commas, raised from the dead by the resurrection, because it's so important. The faith which comes to him, the one who rose from the dead, who's alive, has given this, in this case, it was a lame man, has given him perfect soundness. So, so the idea here, the scandalous part of the resurrection, the scandalous part to religion, I hope not to you, and and what happened at the early dawn when Christ rose again is that it's not just a historical event, but this resurrection life is flowing to us. It's flowing to you, first of all, to you personally. Maybe you feel deadness. We've been talking about that, Pastor Nathan and I both. Maybe you feel deadness in some area of your life. Maybe a relationship, maybe spiritually, maybe in your emotions, there's a deadness. Well, you can receive the resurrection life of Christ for you personally and say, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live and I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's one thing. Then you can share this resurrection life with others. You know, you impart it to others. That's why the Bible says, those who believe, they shall lay hands on the sick. I mean, how foolish is that without resurrection life? It's not just that you put your hand on somebody, but you're saying the resurrection life of Jesus is flowing through me. And somebody else doesn't know about that life. And, 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 and through me, it comes and touches others. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 1.18. Whom having not seen you love, speaking of Jesus. Jesus, we, we not seen him, but we love him. That sounds strange to some people. Though you do not see him, yet you believe. So we, we, we don't see him physically. We don't see Jesus, but we love him and we believe on him. And you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. This is what some people can't see that because they haven't experienced it. Just, just theory, even as wonderful as apologetics is, are not enough. But he said there's something that happened when Jesus manifests to you that even though you don't see him physically, that, then you love him. People say, I love the Lord. He said, what do you mean? People say, what do you mean you love the Lord? <laughs> You're a little bit cuckoo. You're a little bit, you flipped out a bit. What do you mean you love the Lord? Well, you say, he, he's been revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. Now, I've seen it in some places, and I, I have not seen a literal vision of Jesus, but it has happened in and around me. I, we had a Buddhist man in our campaign, I think it was in, yeah, it was in Yangon, Myanmar, uh, who, who said, I saw Jesus. He came to me and healed, opened my ears. I often tell a story years ago of a woman in India, a Hindu woman, who I tried to pray for and nothing much happened. Didn't seem to be any improvement. She couldn't walk. And then she saw a vision of Jesus. I have a similar story about a young boy eight, nine years old, who was brought to a meeting with his, by his father who belonged to the Sikh religion. I have a few stories like that. I've, people have told me they've seen some vision. I don't know whether it was an angel. Some of them think it was an angel. Some of them think it was the Lord, and even on the platform. And, and that's wonderful. I don't negate that. Some people may need that. 
But it, it, the, the general modus operandi is that by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is revealed to you and you say, I love him. I believe on him, even though I haven't seen him. Uh, you, you see, oh, this is more than religion. You, you know, he, he took your sin. He gives you life. He does it for free. That's why people call it a scandal. I got a couple of other nugget points here to pass on to you. I say in the view of everything that I've been sharing here, our religious activities intended to make us holy before God are a head fake. <laughs> you see that? Leave that out there for a moment. What, what I mean with that, I'm not saying that acts of, of, of piety and acts of, of godliness, that they're not wonderful. But if we think that that is scoring points with God, then that's a head fake. We're playing with our mind. We, we do something good or we make a sacrifice of some sort and we think, uh, oh, God must really be accepting me now. Oh, this, I was kind to someone. I did a good deed. That's a head fake. Your, your head is playing games with you. Because everything rests on his death, his resurrection. He has put you in a position because of who he is. Because he lives, we live. Not, not just live after you die, it's true. Well, if you die, you live again. But, but you live now, resurrection life. I said last week, and I'll repeat again, our love affair with religion is over. You know, many people, we have a, a, a human propensity towards religion. And, and we have a love affair with it sometimes. We love to do things. You know, the Bible describes a lot about we love to do things. They love to be seen. They love to pray prayers. The Bible talks about one group, the Pharisees, which people in those days thought were very holy and godly people. We don't have such uh, good ideas about them today because we see them through the eyes of Jesus. But they wanted to be seen. They wanted to, they were kind of in love with the religious procedures and rituals where, where they got to play a part and show I'm, I'm I'm kind of front row here. But once we see that it is 100% Jesus, that love affair with religion, it's over. And we receive that offered grace and forgiveness, resurrection life, because he died and rose again.